Hello and welcome to the Last of the Moon podcast. I'm Bryce McCracken. Uh, because it's a special occasion, I won't mess with this one. I am Brett Redshaw. I'm Colleen McGovern. What? You're not Wyatt? <laughs> hmm. Wyatt got so pretty all of a sudden. I'm I'm Wyatt. Oh, I forget. Wyatt, Wyatt. I forget Wyatt's last name. Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> Sorry, Wyatt. Uh, you practically live with him. <laughs> Uh, that's okay. We're going to move on. Hello. Welcome to the show, Colleen. Very good to have you. Uh, you want to do us a favor and introduce yourself? Who no. are you? Who uh, are you in this household? I, I, in this household, I am Brett's partner um, and lover and friend. Whoa. And I know. We do. We love each other very kinda, much. Kind of crazy that he, that he has one. Um, but I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> catching strays. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm a music therapist in training. Uh, I am a big talker. I'm a Gemini, so that's a natural thing for us. And as far as the type of movie watch, can I to describe the type of movie watcher I am? You can do whatever you want. I'm a very analytic, like uh, the type of analysis that I do for movies, which is constant, is uh, through different lenses. Like uh, I view things from a feminist lens, um, from like a transgender lens, from uh, psychoanalytic, sometimes humanistic, just lots of like, hmm, how are, how are these relationships working and how could they be viewed in a broader context? So that's my mu- movie watching experience. I like that you did that without me asking because I was going to ask you, how do you watch movies? A uh, little, little fun question. Good job. A little Thank fun you. question before we get into anything. Uh, do you have a favorite movie? Fuck. Um, I should have <laughs> prepared for this. Um, we don't watch those oh, kinds of movies on this damn. podcast. Um, Gross. I feel like it ranges. I feel like I feel like Bo is Afraid is honestly my favorite wow. for now. I love that answer. It really, really, really struck me. So that's that's my favorite at the moment. Bryce got a big boner for Bo. <laughs> he went, afraid, oh, I saw that so. movie three times. <laughs> I did see that movie three times. Uh, I mean, I also really like it. That's <laughs> a that's a great segue because we are talking today about Spider Man across the Spider Verse. It was only a segue because I think this is the only movie so far this year that rivals Bo is Afraid in terms of how much I like it. This is huge. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think. We were on the car ride home, and Colleen was like, oh, Bryce might not like this movie. Oh, no, that's not what, I'd sort of, that's sort of what happened. But what happened, Bryce was like, what if I don't like it? What if, what if, what if <laughs> no, I end up not liking it? I was just messing with you. <laughs> I was like, I'm prepared for that reality. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But Colleen saw this movie twice. Yes, uh, I did want to ask you. So, I feel like that's a good way to start this conversation. Colleen, you texted us the other day and said, holy shit, you guys got to see this movie. And then you followed that up immediately with, I want to see this movie again. And I was like, all right. I followed up with, how did you get this number? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what, after, after that first watch, what made you want to, to see it so bad again? Um, I'm in my phone. I'm in Brett's phone as Domino's. Um, I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so we saw it for my roommate's birthday. This mm-hmm. was like, Zach is also a Gemini. Um, so we. It's the first time astrology has <laughs> gained the main stage on the podcast. That's true. It, it's huge. It is a breath of fresh air. Um, Please continue. Uh, thank you. Um, so Zach's one request was like, we should go see Spider-Man in opening weekend. I was like, that's the day before your birthday. That's perfect. Um, we got Indian food beforehand, which made, you know, Curry. The, yeah, um, nice. Zach got chicken tikka masala and I, like a white person ordered on the phone. I said, can I get some garlic non bread? <laughs> That's very relevant <laughs> so to this conversation. It's very relevant to the movie. Uh, so it was a really lovely evening and what made me want to see it again. So the experience in general was like really lovely, but what made me want to see it again is that it's incredible. 
um, it's a work of art in like so, in such obvious and like clear and distinct ways. Mm-hmm. And I needed to see it again. So a, it's incredible. B, I wanted to watch the movie separate from like the first time watch and like the first time awe of like seeing this work of art for the first time. Yeah. And I wanted to see like what that experience would be like. I wanted to catch the little things that I might have missed, like mm-hmm. all those Easter eggs or like any references that I couldn't read in time. And then to spend time with my friends. Aww. I wanted to spend time with Bryce and Brett. <laughs> Took a long pause after Brett to determine if you <laughs> wanted to spend time with Brett or not. I'm so used to saying Bryce and Wyatt. I'm so used to saying Bryce and Wyatt. So I never Because me and Wyatt hang out with Colleen all the time without you. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, did you like this movie? I loved this movie. I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say something else to leave me to only say y- yes. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you're like, oh, thanks, Brett. Moving on. <laughs> you'll have plenty of time to give your your thoughts and opinions later if you'd like to. Yeah, um, <laughs> I plan on giving both thoughts and opinions. So you two just rewatched the first Spider-Man movie. Negative. Um. Oh, you didn't. Have, <laughs> we didn't end up doing, doing that. that. Okay, yeah. never mind. Was, yeah. Uh. Well, this movie takes place, I believe, right after where the first one. Ends. I haven't seen that since it came out in theaters, so I don't remember it super well. It's a year and four months. Yeah. That's what he says. Okay. Yeah, it's a little bit in the future. So that's why we see Miles is now a little, he's a little he's beefed a little up. He's a little bigger. He's a little buff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so spurt. this movie follows Miles Morales, who is an alternate Spider Man than the Peter Parker that we're used to. He's a. How? Well, his <laughs> name is Miles Morales, for one, <laughs> not Peter Parker. But he is a black and Puerto Rican Spider-Man growing up in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> he has a lot of similarities to Peter Parker you in some ways. You heard it here but... first. You heard it here first. Bryce <laughs> sees race. <laughs> uh, Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I suppose it? that's true. I do. <laughs> but this story uh, follows Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy, who we meet in the first movie as well. Follows her a lot more than the first movie did, uh, which I appreciated a lot, but... Uh, the two of them get wrapped up in this gigantic battle against this interdimensional being that was created in the first movie that we didn't see. We meet a bunch of different Spider-Men that essentially form this task force to fight interdimensional problems. And we learn a lot about Miles and the struggles that he goes through and sort of how that relates to sort of the inherent Spider-Man problem that every Spider-Man that has ever existed has experienced. It's a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. It's also doing great numbers. I don't know if you guys have seen the box office scores yet. I've been so curious, though. $100 million budget, which is a lot of money, but thinking in the grand scheme of things, it's about half of what the standard like MCU live-action movie gets. And there's just no chance that it's going to not eclipse a hundred million dollars, no yes. matter what they put. Uh, mm. This movie came out on Thursday, right? Uh, I believe it was Friday. Yeah, the movie the, came out Friday, yes. so it, it was probably one of those where they said it came out Friday, but then but they you were doing see showings Thursday, at like yes. nine. Yeah. There yeah. were definitely showings on Thursday because okay. I was looking. So that's when it came out. As of yesterday, Saturday night, when the box office closed, one hundred forty-six million dollars, and that was not including the end of the weekend being today when we saw it. Oh my god. Um, and there's still plenty of time for that number to grow. So that's good to hear. There's a lot of They already made thought. their money back. Yeah, they already made the money back, which is, is I love You're going to make seeing... a lot more. <laughs> Just <laughs> money that's money. that's true. I was like... uh, it, it's good to see such creativity being rewarded on this scale. One thing that I really appreciated about the first movie was it came at this 
very long stretch of animated movies feeling very samey. And that first movie, which was created not by Marvel or Disney, but by Sony Pictures or Sony Animated Pictures, Sony, yeah, I think is Sony their name. In general, yeah. yeah. They really gave their artists a lot of freedom to make art. Uh, and it really felt like that was at the forefront. And they made a really good movie. It was rewarded both financially and critically. It won the Oscar that year for best international, or not best international feature, uh, best animated feature. I didn't know. Yes, and I'm very glad to see... It will win again. Yeah, truly. (laughs) I I would not be surprised. There are two Pixar movies coming out this year, I think, which might give it a run for its money, but... Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy to see, again, artists on this scale being given the opportunity to make art. Well, and I think another thing, too, is that one thing I'm proud of in terms of Sony and the Marvel Universe being represented through Sony is that Disney has been a really, really good sport about it, I would figure, given Disney's history, (laughs) given your history, given Disney's history (laughs) with like copyright and everything like that and how hard they go on everything, I have been shocked to see like such good art come out of something that's owned by another company. And I'm really happy about that. All the Spider-Man universe that they've done, like the, um, because Sony did the Andrew Garfield movies, right? So like even that. that I believe right after marvel purchased Mm -hmm. all of the mcu except for spider-man and i know there's i know it's not that just them being nice like i know there's some copyright thing going on that like i don't know requires them to but i really i really appreciate that because Mm -hmm. the alternative is that we wouldn't get this series made yes and that's just that would be like represented through this movie that would be such a shame yeah um so i I really really love that i just wanted to it's almost uh obvious that when collaboration happens and corporate greed doesn't take over i don't know like uh pumping out 80 marvel movies in a year <laughs> uh, you make a good good product at yes. the end of it yeah also paying i mean they've people... been working on this movie since the first one came out in 2018 no so. well the next one is supposed to come out next march so oh, we don't exciting. have to wait that long which is like huge it's huge go ahead baby sorry letting artists cook and giving them money that they deserve also nets really good results mm-hmm we saw it in Puss in Boots. Like. No, so true. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I truly believe that movie would not exist if it weren't for the first Spider-Man across, or into the Spider-Verse movie. Mm. The, the way that the Puss in Boots animators were allowed to be creative with their art style and that sort of thing. Like, I think that's really paved the way. And the narrative around artists being allowed to be artists kind of un, uh, unencumbered by, you know, the suits was something that, we were talking about when the first, uh, when the Into the Spider Verse movie came out, because it was so creative, it was so different, it was so you know uh, inspiring and captivating, and and we're gonna talk about this more, I'm sure. But in my opinion, like they really doubled or tripled down mm-hmm. on that concept in this movie, yes. and it's gonna pay crazy dividends, and mm-hmm. it already is. Yeah, yeah, Brett. Going back to what Colleen was saying, do you know much about like the the deal between Sony and? Marvel over Spider-Man. Not enough to feel confident putting a microphone in front of my face and deliberating. That's how I feel. I'll do my best to explain it just in case any of our listeners have no experience with that. But Sony owns Spider-Man despite Disney owning Marvel, Marvel, who owns every other element of this Marvel Cinematic Universe. So when we see, what is his name? The new Spider-Man in the MCU. Miles. No, the live-action Spider-Man. Tom Holland? Oh, Tom Holland. Yeah, when yeah, we yeah. see Tom Holland, his character, or the rights to his character, as far as I understand it, are being leased out by Sony. 
so that he can be in those movies. So Sony is actually profiting from that as as well wow. as Marvel. And I believe it is similar here. I know Marvel and Disney as a whole, while they did not make this movie, they mm-hmm. were collaborators. So like Brett was saying, collaboration seems to pay dividends for both parties, uh, at least as far as I understand it. Well, the Spider-Man movie, the the Disney version, like the Marvel version, was incredible. It's the same thing. The live action yes, thing? Yes, yeah. yes, with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and yeah. Tom Holland. Like, that was incredible. And and it's just, yeah, it's just another example of just, like, I, I'm glad Sony's being rewarded. I feel like <laughs> part of me is, like, I know they're both big companies, but I'm, like, suck it, Disney. You know, like I'm very much just like, thank God, yeah. thank God they have something over, you it's, know, <laughs> it's a wild world where Sony feels like the I little know. guy. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, but yeah. And also to just comment more on like the, uh, what's the word? What's the word when something is very like financially viable? It, it makes a lot of money, right? Talking about lucrative, lucrative, lucrative yeah. is exactly what I was looking for to talk about how lucrative the Spider-Man IP is. If we look at No Way Home, which was the last mm-hmm. big Spider-Man expenditure, mm-hmm. the global box office earnings on that movie is $2.84 billion. Yeah, yeah I knew it was Girl. over a billion. I didn't know it had doubled that. That's Ooh, insane. Pushing $3 billion. Oh, yeah. my God. So, that like, is- it, Sony, props to them for having the foresight to mm-hmm. hold on to the franchise because they have made a lot of money off of it. Yeah. And part of that, like Colleen is saying, these movies are actually good, mm-hmm. which is, <laughs> has not been the standard per se for a lot of this style of movie, that being superhero movies over the last, basically since Endgame. Mm-hmm. But also there's, I feel very similarly, and Brett, I know you do too. I'd be curious to hear how you feel, Colleen. Mm-hmm. I have a very soft spot in my heart for spider-man as a character um he was sort like he wasn't the first superhero movie but in a lot of ways those original movies with toby Maguire started off this whole thing that we now know is superhero movies mm-hmm. and i love those movies to this day i've gone back to them a lot i watched them so much as a kid and i even when i go back to them now i think that they really hold up well in a lot of ways i wish superhero movies were more like that mm-hmm but all all of this to say, I have a lot of love in my heart for this character. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's good to see these movies still being held on to. Like, had you told me that this was, I think this is the 10th Spider-Man movie. Yes. If I'm remembering correctly. I and don't know either, but. <laughs> I, I believe it's the 10th. And it, it's wild that this feels like a sort of reductive word, but it's wild that they're still able to milk this character. Yes. And get quality out of it they can turn new leaves and explore different sides of this character while still connecting with the heartbeat of who spider-man is Mm -hmm. and it's something that i think is intergenerational a lot of people can connect with a lot of the things that this movie explores and a lot of the things that the past spider-man movies have explored Mm -hmm. and we'll talk a lot about that when we get into spoilers but brett i know you were always a big spider-man character do you feel similarly yeah big time always a huge fan of spidey boy he was like the Tobey Maguire first Spider-Man was actually, on VHS, was one of the first movies that I legitimately ever remember watching. Oh, my goodness. It was the first uh, PG-13 movie that I ever saw, which was a huge deal for me. I felt like such That's a, big. Such that a big huge. man at, like, six years old. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I fell in love with it immediately. Like, I have such good memories of 
popping that VHS in and watching it to the point where I feel so I feel so giddy whenever I go back. Every once in a while, I go and watch those Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, especially Spider-Man 2. That movie rocks. So that plus, you know, like how it relates to my movie watching today with, you know, mm-hmm. with the first and now second Spider-Verse movies as a continuation of like, okay, this is like kind of a maturing of the franchise yes, in, in a way of like, not necessarily tonally at mm-hmm. all. Cause like, there's a lot that's immature and goofy and fun about these, mm-hmm. but in the fact that where media has gone and where like the public canon has gone, mm-hmm. everybody cares a lot more about Spider-Man now and superheroes in general. So I feel like, you know, I'm really happy that, even though I was very young and I only barely remember it, I do still feel like, you know, this is one of those things where I can say I was there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I got in on that band super early yes. before, you know, my other friends started listening to them and putting them on their Spotify playlist. Yes. You know, the, oh, these kids don't know what it was like to have Tobey Maguire. <laughs> he made such silly faces. <laughs> um, but you know, that is how I feel about it. Yeah. So it, it's also to say it's a really important franchise to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Colleen, do you have much relationship to the Spider-Man character? Yeah, I have I have a similar relationship to Brett's too, is that that was the one of the first movies that I watched. It was like, I don't know. I feel like I was pretty lucky that like, I don't, I don't know what this is a result of, but like my parents were pretty, they weren't lenient about our media intake, but like my dad liked the Spider-Man movies. So mm-hmm. we got to watch the Spider-Man movies. So as a poor child, it was nice to get the McDonald's play place toys and like spider. I rem- I have vivid memories of playing with the Doc Ock toy when it came out, when that's it awesome. was in the Happy Meals. Sorry if that's like the, <laughs> that's the childhood connection that I have no, to that's it. Cool. But like, yeah, I thematically, it's like, it was, it, it's not only you're right that it holds up and it's not just, I love that it's not just good for its time. Mm-hmm. Like, as a movie, it it does such a good job of building a world that is believable and like playing on these like these canon things from the comics. And as a kid, you just watch that in awe. Yeah. Like I have like like Pete, like Tobey Maguire's like the hairs on his fingers mm-hmm. when he wakes up in the morning and him being like, what? You know, and just like like. They're, he's so ripped without a shirt he's on. He's so ripped without a shirt on and he had like his glasses like like I have such I, I haven't seen this movie in forever but like that is such like a visceral memory for me to recall and that's such a testament to the world they were able to mm-hmm. build. Absolutely. All of the movies were. So that's I think that's the the wonder that it inspired is my connection to it. <laughs> it it was really cool to see such a variety of people in the audience. Yes. Tonight it like Yes. It's gotten to the point where if I go to an MCU showing, it's just 30-year-olds, mm-hmm. and they all look, not to say they all look the same, but they all have like the exact same vibe. Mm-hmm. Poor, <laughs> poor Sean is catching straight. <laughs> I apologize, Sean. Um, but like- Former guests of there the were, There were kids at the showing. There were grown adults. There yes. were people our age. Yes. Um, and like this story is able to kind of just transcend age. I, I remember, yes. Brett- you you both mentioned like a specific thing that you remember about Spider-Man as a kid. Mm-hmm. I went as Spider-Man for Halloween, you not would. once, 
but twice. Oh, you would. <laughs> which is, I, I've never heard of somebody doing the same costume oh twice, God. but I just loved Spider-Man so much as a kid that I did him twice. I have that photo. I can share it on the Instagram after Please. this episode goes live. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to see this still connecting. We should, we should move on a little bit. Just, <laughs> just some background. I, I think it's worth noting. This, is the, this was directed by three people. I wrote, that's, it's relatively common for directed or uh, animated movies, but it was directed by Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. Names I had not heard of before this. Mm-hmm. That is because it was all three of their directorial debuts. They no have worked way. in film for a long time. If you look at their, their sheets on IMDb, they've all worked as writers and producers, and they've had hands in a lot Same. of <laughs> they have had hands uh they've had hands in a lot of good work so it's it's really cool just because you've been there doesn't mean that you can do it sort of thing so it's, it's really cool to see such an impressive debut especially since like the last movie that we talked about was hot summer nights that was also a directorial debut mm. and we gave him a lot of credit for like there's so much wrong with this, but there's a lot of heart to it. There's a lot of potential, but it's his debut. Like, cut him some slack. So this is just like a really sharp contrast. Like, this yes. this is an excellent movie. So it's, it's very impressive what the three of them have done here. <laughs> there's no cutting slack here. There's no, there's there's no, no reason to. There's no reason <laughs> to. <laughs> this movie stars. I, I'm going to see if I can do this in one breath because this uh, cast list is insane. Stacked. All right, you ready? Stacked. Get a deep breath. Shamik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree Henry, Luna Lauren, Valace, Jake Johnson, Jason Schwartzman, Issa Rae, mm-hmm. Karen Sony, Daniel Kaluuya, Mahershala Ali, and I- Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've got a I've got a great Oscar Isaac fun fact for uh, for the Bryce's fun fact corner when we get into Very spoilers. Good. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need you to carry. I have no fun facts. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but this. Sort of gets into my overall thoughts that I want to give before we get into the spoilers. This cast, not only is it great, we've seen great casts in animated movies before. They don't have to pay great actors as much when they're just doing voice work. So often these animated movies will just get big names that are often talented actors, but not that talented voice actors. Mm -hmm. There is a big difference. Absolutely none of that here. It genuinely feels like every single one of these characters is real all of the voice acting is exceptional by all of these actors, all of whom I really enjoy both on screen and just in their voices. So mm-hmm. the voice acting carries a lot of weight here. Yes. Well, it's funny because when it comes to voice acting, if you have no name people to go and do really good performances, it doesn't matter as much when it comes to the actual quality of the product because mm-hmm. you, you didn't see who was doing it anyway. So why does it really matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like they didn't advertise so much for a star-studded cast. They felt that they didn't need to, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And and that's Mm -hmm. exactly... But, you know, the good thing is is that, you know, they picked the right people anyway. Like, the casting on this was amazing. And it just happened to be some really good, especially up-and-coming actors uh, who are going to be really successful. I don't know Shamik Moore from anything else other than playing this character. And he's the lead. Wow. Um, Well, um... On that point, too, isn't that like I think that's that's something pretty significant is that isn't it nice that they trusted their art that much to not have these big names be part of the marketing, yep. you know, absolutely. like it's just they were like, well, <laughs> you're going to come out, you know, <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, if you make good stuff, it speaks for itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Random weird fun fact that has nothing to do with this movie. Brett, are you 
Are you aware that this is the third Jason Schwartzman movie that we've watched in a row? <laughs> Actually, yes, <laughs> I am aware of that. It, funny, I'm not really good about picking out voices? picking out voices in voice acting, and Jason Schwartzman is not somebody who I'm like super familiar with his mm-hmm. um, his work uh, as a whole. Um, but I think literally just because exclusively because we've seen a lot of Jason Schwartzman in the last couple of weeks, just what we've watched personally. When I heard his voice for the first time, I was like, I think that's Jason Schwartzman, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is yeah, we really just, funny to we me. We watched Fantastic Mr. Fox. And then what was the other movie that we just watched that he was in? Um, It wasn't a movie. He's in I Think You Should Leave. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of Jason Schwartzman He's content the recently. I know. Okay. I recognized his voice. Who else? Who was he in uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox? He's Ash, yeah. the son. Oh, mm-hmm. God. I love that movie. Yeah. Okay. It's a great movie. We will likely talk about it one day. Do you guys have any general thoughts that you want to get into before we get into the spoiler content here? I do. I have a lot of notes that are just general, but um, I don't know. We talked about it for a while. So I I feel like most of these are going to come back up in conversation anyway. Yeah. This is a great movie. Very funny. There's a lot of heart to it. Oh, I got something before we get into spoilers. Please. Um, Do we want to talk about that kid at the very end? (laughs) The kid that sprinted down the aisle. Oh, my God. The kid that got up out of his seat. Is a little boy sprinted down the aisle out the back doors and then came back like two minutes later. He was ran, ran back to his seat and got his mom, and then they both. Oh, went I out. missed that. Oh, yeah, my God. He got his mom, and they both went back out the theater, and then I never saw them again. Interesting. Maybe he pooped himself. I think <laughs> it's within the realm of possibility that he might <laughs> I think have pooped it's, himself. I think it's safe to say that he might have pooped himself. Um. <laughs> and if that's the case, I'm sorry to hear that that was his experience. Yeah. Um, Especially at the climax of the movie. Yeah, like, that it was, was right, right at the end. <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate. Hopefully he gets to see it again. I hope you're doing okay, kid, wherever you are. He might uh, still be in the bathroom. <laughs> that's possible. You think his mom's in there with him? At what age should your mom stop? like taking you into the women's room with as, as like a young boy like when are you able to just walk into the men's room by yourself girl my calling you work in child care well what is your answer here i don't the girls go by themselves um but i was gonna say my parents never went in the stall with me they were like okay you know what to do <laughs> you'll figure you, it you'll, out <laughs> you will literally figure it out uh as somebody in child care it depends on what the kid needs that's my that's answer fair. you know like if if they're if they're still like i can't without you it's your job to either be like yes you can or like <laughs> okay yeah. okay sorry as, as a young boy i do remember vividly i think just one time it was probably at a target bathroom my mom always brought me shopping with her if i had to go to the bathroom and i was four years old I'd go into the women's room with her <laughs> uh i remember vividly one time i was like i I think I'm too old for this. I was probably like four, but <laughs> it, it felt weird. King. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I said that one time. I was like, Mom, I'm not going in there. And she was like, yes, you are. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then you just did. And I don't know that I ever went back in again. I think that might have been the defining moment. So maybe when your kid can tell you, hey, hey, lady. <laughs> hey, lady. I'm, I'm a big man. Uh, all right. There's no good way to segue that. Into, uh, <laughs> hey, if you haven't seen this movie yet, check it out. Uh, we're going to talk about spoilers now. Uh, go ahead, check it out. It is in theaters. It will likely be there for a while. Great movie. We highly recommend it. If you'd like to join us in this conversation and not get spoiled, go ahead, watch it, and come back. If you don't care about spoilers, keep listening. I would never sit and listen to the podcast of 
about a movie that I was going to see but had not seen yet, like through the spoilers. But I'm pretty sure there are some people who listen who do do that, and that's people who like haven't seen the movie. Yeah, but but would still see the movie and are willing to just get through all of the spoilers. Mm-hmm. That's very upsetting to me. I mean, continue doing it. Don't stop. Yeah, we appreciate it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you to not listen to the podcast. That is craziness. Uh, alternatively, I have talked to a few people who have binged every single one of our podcasts, but then they've just listened to like the first 25 minutes until they get to the spoiler warning, and they're like, I'll come back to this eventually, <laughs> which we appreciate that too. Yeah. Uh, so this movie starts off with Gwen rather than Miles, and I'd, I'd kind of like to start the conversation just around her. I had initially planned on asking you guys, since you had just watched the movie recently, uh, which ended up not being the case. If I guess I can still ask you, do you remember her getting that much character development? Like this movie really focuses on Gwen a lot. And I can talk more about why I think that is, but do you remember if she got much... I haven't seen the movie since it came out. That's what I. That's why I wanted to rewatch it because I I saw it a bunch of times even after it came out. But I can't. I can't. I remember their relationship being developed and like the kinship between her mm-hmm. and Miles being developed. But I I don't remember her specifically. It was through Miles's eyes mm-hmm. that we saw her being developed, not through her own and not her place in the Spider Verse in general. I would agree with that. She gets the the common through line of like. This is my name. I was bit by a radioactive spider. And yes. that's kind of like, yes. that's her exposition. Mm-hmm. And it's not much past that. It, Like Colleen said, it focuses on her relationship with Miles and her place in the story. So we got a lot of really good character development mm-hmm. that uh, was very, very necessary for her place in the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's really unique what this story is doing here because they are, they're telling multiple character stories. Like they're telling Miles' story and then they're telling Gwen's story. But having this like <clears throat> universal, like interdimensional story where it's following all of these different Spider-Mans, Spider-Men. Spider-People. Spider-People. Refer to it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this movie focuses a lot. <laughs> Trans-Spider experience. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> this movie focuses a lot on like what is core to the Spider-Man experience. Yes. And... Had the movie just been like, yeah, all of these other spider spider people are yes. experiencing the same thing. And yes. then we're just seeing Miles' experience. Mm-hmm. That works. We, we would understand that. But having this other character who we're getting to spend as much time with as we are Gwen. Mm-hmm. And we're getting to see her own unique struggles. But how those tie into the same struggles that Miles is having. I, I think it just adds to my feelings here of like... I can really connect with the core of these characters because these are things that all of them are experiencing. Yes. And I really, really loved the way that they did that, the way that they went about telling you how, like how the through line of their experience as like spider people goes. Like she kept saying all these bad things, like she kept describing her experience as spider woman, as like, as like, this is my story. This is like what I wanted out of life versus like, and he's not the only one and I'm not the only one. I've hurt people. I've lost people and I'm not the only one. Miles isn't the only one. And through that lens of just like, you may feel alone, but like, oh God, that feels cheesy to say, but like, they're not. But yeah. through those experiences of like, 
of like tragedy. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was really, I loved the way they did that. I love the way that they I, represented that. I think that. it does sound cheesy to say, but also like, I think the best superhero movies are able to take those cheesy elements mm -hmm. and warp them into something that is just human mm -hmm. and they can simplify it enough. And that's kind of what makes it cheesy yes. because it's often simple, but that's how it gets sort of that like intergenerational connectivity that we were talking about in the intro. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it truly lacks that relatability and simplicity is Zack Snyder's DC <laughs> movies. <laughs> I haven't, I've avoided every single one of them. Um, well, if you don't know, now you know. They're like very inhuman and there's nothing relatable mm -hmm. or like barely anything redeeming wow. <laughs> in the movies. <gasps> and that's like, that's like a harsh criticism, but truly I, it's like one of the biggest reasons if I can interject my own opinion of why those franchises have not been as successful mm -hmm. in film is because people do not resonate with them. Ex you know, even though like you could say that, through any any moment whenever we would have decided as a collective to start making superhero movies, like nobody is more ubiquitous in that realm mm -hmm. or was than like Superman. Mm -hmm. Um but instead of making him the like the like role model friendly I I'm here to be like this force for good Superman, they made him this like kind of a monster and mm. like now yeah. batman now batman kills people which he yeah. Did, you know? yeah um but we don't lose those values in spider-man or you know a lot of the marvel characters yeah uh and instead like rather than just making something that's cookie cutter and yes. oh like we're like we're not going to delve away from you know the norm they you know they build on top yes. of the foundation that's already there and make something new that is exciting and interesting and everybody mm -hmm. wants to go back and see well um this might feel like a derailment but stay with me Please. um we've been talking me and my roommate ian have been talking a lot about ai recently mm -hmm. and like we've taught like ai has been in the conversation for a really long time now but ian like laid it out and was like here's here's the problem is that if you took an ai here's the here's the whole thing with ai creating art um, is that if you took an AI and dropped it pre-Renaissance, they would only be able to make pre-Renaissance art. They yeah. would not be able to create what the Renaissance was able to create. And I was like, whoa. And why I think that's relevant is because it really shifted my entire perspective on on the the concept that original thought is dead. Because mm -hmm. I have been operating off of that. I'm like, well, I don't have any original ideas. <laughs> Nobody has anybody original ideas. But that's the point. Yeah. Is that you are just supposed to take these supposed non-original ideas and you're supposed to expand on them. And that is the human experience. Yep. And there's nothing like even if you feel and this is I feel like this is not a unique experience to me. I feel like this is something that's very true to our generation is that you were told that like, oh, if you <laughs> I was told this very, very frequently that like nobody's going to read that, you know, if you have a thought that you want to write down and I feel like a lot of people might have a different experience, but like if you have a thought, you better make sure it's original. And it's like, that's not, that's so counterintuitive to the spirit of art. Yes. And so connecting I, with people. Yes. And, yeah. So on that note, I really loved the way that this movie just like went about being like, yep, you already know about this stuff. Mm -hmm. You already know about heart and you already know about like uh, you know i feel like there's some themes of found family i feel like there's some themes of like like uh like uh this is a stretch but like spiritual connectedness um mm -hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna remind you 
we're going to remind you of those of those of how those things can be represented. Yeah, and I really like that. In in this opening scene with Gwen, it's the first of five or six like truly emotional mm-hmm. parent to mm-hmm. child conversations that just like they're having a unique conversation in that I've never had before in terms of like for example with this this first scene when it gets revealed to her father who's a police officer that she is spider woman mm-hmm. and that is of course not a conversation that I have ever had with my parents <laughs> and all of these conversations are unique in that way but this movie is so well written for a uh, I mean for a movie in general but especially for yes. an animated movie yes where exactly like you were saying like there are so many things in this conversation and in these conversations that this movie has where I was almost like brought to tears because it was like, I have had it. It felt like I have had this exact conversation with someone before about like, I, this is who I am. Will you like the fears of presenting yourself the way that you truly are? Will the people that love and care for you, will they accept you? Mm -hmm. The, the idea of like, feeling like you need to hide certain parts of yourself. Like mm-hmm. these, these are all like genuine, just normal human experiences. And the writing is fantastical. It's a, a superhero movie, but it's simplified in the same way that like, I truly think anyone can relate to it. Yes. Yeah. It's very, very, it's very like, it locks into that like teenager experience, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. very much so of just like you're, and I, I think that's really impressive the way that they were able to do that, like through that, like uh, through the through the superhero lens, yeah. through that something that that we can't relate to. Nobody wants to feel alone. It's really difficult to make that kind of writing um, interesting, relatable, and not cringy, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when so everything true. Is, everything gets hyper analyzed. Which like fourth wall break when we're analyzing movies on a podcast. But mm-hmm. like that's just kind of that is just kind of where we're at in the internet age like that is just something that is a part of everyday life where everybody's a critic about everything Mm -hmm. squidward Squidward said that so many times everybody's Uh, a critic but it's really hard it's really hard because um i know that i like to criticize sometimes especially when things are lame and um that's a toxic trait that i have but you know that side of me was satiated Whenever the writing was really good and it was relatable and I had a really similar experience that you described, Bryce, of like, oh, yeah, there's a scene later on in the movie where uh, Miles is having a really heart-to-heart conversation with his mother, which, you know... Who's so hot, by the way. Can we just take take a second? She's so hot. Uh. Continue, Brett. I'm sorry. (laughs) And even though um, I never told my mom that I'm Spider-Man, I could see how, like, I had a specifically like tearful conversation with my mom at some point like a year or two ago that I saw in that immediately. Yeah. So um, it, that is how you're going to get audiences to connect with what you're doing as a writer. Yeah. I don't want to out you, but that's definitely like, that's a, that's a theme Brett faces a lot, you know, um, with like relating to your, fa- I feel like I'm outing you too much. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think a good way to, to summarize what I, I'm assuming you're getting at is, Brett and I are very similar in that we are good at putting on masks and mm-hmm. showing ourselves in a specific environment the way that 
we want to be perceived in that specific environment, mm -hmm. but we're not always showing our true selves to, mm -hmm. to everyone. That's something that rarely gets seen. And I, I'm assuming that's what you're getting at, Colleen. Yeah, yeah that much. is what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, that's, yep. And like, like we've been saying, this movie captures a lot of those feelings so well. And I, I really can't emphasize enough how much I was just enjoying seeing the pieces of these people's lives. Like, it's so rare that you get an just general action movie, mm -hmm. not not even specific to superhero movies, but an action movie where this movie has a very pronounced actionless lull mm. in the middle before mm -hmm. it gets like ramps up to the, yes. the really long climax at the end. At no point was I bored in this movie because there's still so much going on in terms of the character development and just the enjoyment that we get from just spending time with these characters yes. that it, it despite there being a, a big action set piece in the middle and a big action set piece in the end and not a whole lot in that realm in between i enjoyed this throughout yeah which I, I don't think can be said for most movies yeah i felt the same way and i thought I, like upon second watch that's what i kept noticing and i was just like man I cannot wait to, like, I, w I was still excited to see, like, I know where this is going, but I love seeing what, what's here now. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I really, really liked is the sense, and I know we've been talking about the sense of interconnectedness. I thought it was so impressive that they were able to present so many inner worlds and so many, like, so many characters and develop them to a point where we could all pay attention without making it feel disjointed. Mm. That was yeah. so impressive. I'm thinking about that now and I'm like, how, how, how did they do that without making it seem like a series of vignettes? Do you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't a series of vignettes. It was like, and that was the point. That was the whole point of the movie is that it like, is that like, we've been talking about this theme of interconnectedness, but like the whole theme is like, is like, well, even if it feels like everybody's having this different experience, like they're, they're connected whether we like it or not, yeah. you know, they're connected whether they like it or not. Um, mm, yeah. You know, so I, I really, I just realized that. Well, because I was thinking about um, Miguel. He's one of the main characters and he's kind of this like brooding Batman type. Um, he's like- Spider-Man 2099, yeah. I believe yeah. is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Earth is represented through these different, like every Earth has a number. Um, and that's that's like a that's like a thing throughout the movie. So Miguel is responsible for this really getting we're doing it now. We're describing the plot. Miguel <laughs> is responsible for this task force of Spider-Mans that spider people. I can't believe I just did that. Um, <laughs> but he's re responsible for this task force of spider people that is responsible for saving um, all the dimensions that these spider people come from. So it's like um, it's like he I was thinking about that sense of connectedness because we see the pressure that he faces yes. and how that manifests within himself, but not separate from the things that all the rest of the spider yep. people are experiencing. Exactly. It was crazy. It would be so easy for them to write it just as like he's brooding and it would be so easy for them to just take it in a direction of like everybody's wrong except for him and we don't get to see his inner world, but they don't. And it was so necessary and it never feels like a diversion no. when it takes the time to no. develop those characters like we're getting just the right amount like he's not the main character he's not even the no. second main character no but he is important to the plot and we get just enough to know a 
why he is the way he is mm-hmm. because his feelings strongly affect the plot of this story. Yes. And B, to know how he connects with all of the other spider mm-hmm. people. And it does the same thing with the Peter Parker Spider-Man mm-hmm. with his wife and kid. Yes. Like we're, we're getting just enough of each of these characters and it, yes. it never feels like a diversion. It just feels yes. like the right amount of backstory to yes. each of these people. One thing that's great about the universe that the Spider-Verse movies have set up is that by nature, it gives you a good opportunity through the plot to develop these really interesting characters. Yes. That are a big reason as to why people want to come back and keep watching yes. the, the d- movies in the series. Like, I think about how much I remembered and was interested in and cared about Noir Spider Man from mm-hmm. the last one. I was like, oh my God. I think he was one of the earlier ones that were shown as, like, oh, we're diverting from the regular Spider Man yep. stories. Yep, yep. And I was just so enthused by that. And I still am. And. It that's a concept, you know, taking the Spider-Man franchise yes. as we know him and like twisting it and making it interesting and cool is something that is a, a really important theme in this particular movie and it's going to be in the next movie. Yes, it's, it's really and again to credit like the the writers and really everybody on the crew that makes these products, they're so good at it. Yeah, it it I don't know how you could so consistently make these characters that everybody wants to see there's not a single miss on any of them yes. not even one the second that i saw and I, the reason why i say like all people on the crew is because it's not just the writers it's mm-hmm. the way that it's directed mm-hmm. the way that the artists design the characters the second that i saw miguel on screen i'm like god yes, yes i'm locked in <laughs> yeah. yes i'm i'm in this yes. i'm so ready to go and watch this for two and a half hours yes. I don't want to stop yes He's so sick. He's so sick, and he's voiced by Oscar Isaac. He's so God damn it. Keep it in your pants over there. (laughs) Uh, This I remember when the first Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse movie came out, one of my big thought I loved that movie, but one of my biggest like negative takeaways that I got from that movie was one that I've had many times with like interdimensional storytelling which Mm -hmm. is so prevalent now and that's theoretically there are infinite possibilities Mm -hmm. here with this timeline or with this character and with that first one we only got like five yeah and they were all fun they were all creative they were all enjoyable characters but it was kind of just like the tip of the iceberg and here it really feels like it, it truly feels like there are infinite spider people on display here and even the ones that we don't see, it, yes. it feels like they probably exist in this universe, which I did not have that experience the first time. Mm-hmm. I, I actually had a really interesting soiree into this interdimensional Spider-Man storytelling. Are you familiar with the game Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions? No. It came out in 2010, I think for the Xbox 360, but it was just a Spider-Man game, but you got to play as Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2099, who's Miguel, <gasps> uh, the Spider-Man Noir who's Nick Cage, who didn't have a line in this movie, but I think will be in the next movie oh based God. on the stinger there at the end. Uh, and then Ultimate Spider-Man, which I don't know what universe he's from. But yeah, that game was really fun. Uh, and it's cool to see those characters that felt like just sort of a one-off from this video game that nobody played. It's cool to see them fleshed out. Well, I don't mean to provide a fun fact. Please. Um, but like 
but like and uh, pro- this isn't going to be fleshed out but like the whole time I was watching it with Zach and Ian, my roommates who I went to go see it the first time, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, is that a real Spider-Man? <laughs> is that real? Is that, is that canon? Is that real? And Ian would be like, yes. Yeah, that's actually in a comic. You know, <laughs> like just that's like awesome. providing this like, this like, so, so much of these are like real Spider-Men that actually have their own comics. And by the end of it, I was like, well, cause a huge plot point, huge spoiler. So if you, if we're you here. got, we're already <laughs> here. Um, Miles is phrased as an anomaly. Mm-hmm. He is phrased as the whole reason they are having the conflict in the movie in the first place. And the conflict in the movie in the first place is Spot. And Spot is somebody who got caught up um, in the first movie after the... Uh, collider explosion. Collider, yeah, I was trying to... Adam Collider? It doesn't matter. After the collider exploded, this guy got trapped in that explosion and he lost his face. He lost all his body part. Like, he's just this... He lost his penis. He lost his penis. <laughs> Can you imagine, Brett? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he lost, like, and he he says that throughout the movie, like, in th- throughout his introduction, he's like, y- you made me lose everything, Spider-Man. Miles, he's talking about Miles. You made me lose everything. And so he's this... <laughs> he has spots all over his body, who that connect to different they're like portals so he later finds out that like these portals connect to these different dimensions that we're seeing these spider-men in miguel like his climax and this was my favorite part of the movie is they're like riding a sky train to the moon don't worry about it um and miguel's like so angry and he's like no you're the reason this is all happening Mm -hmm. because a spider from and you'll know this from the first movie spider from another dimension bit Miles. So that dimension doesn't have a Spider-Man and Miles as a result is Spider-Man even though he's not supposed to be. So like he is the reason all this is happening and so you get to see like the role of canon events, the role of what's supposed to happen versus what is actually happening. But like I thought that was so significant to everything and I I forgot how I got on this point. it's, it's, It's absolutely essential to I mean, this movie has quite a few themes, and I'll list them when we get to the end, but this plot element is crucial to Miles' feelings of not belonging, mm-hmm. which, again, I can't relate to being a superhero that shouldn't be a superhero, mm-hmm. but I can relate absolutely to feeling like I don't belong in my job or feeling like I shouldn't have gotten into the honors college at my school like mm. all of, like mm. imposter Same syndrome more accomplishments <laughs> <laughs> um and like that everyone has experienced imposter syndrome and yes. it can really make you feel like you don't have a purpose mm-hmm. and so that's something that miles really struggles with and i'll talk more at the end about how this movie kind of comes to a conclusion mm-hmm. but ultimately miles realizing that he is still a unique and important individual yes. despite being created, quote, on accident. Yes. Is ultimately what this movie is all about. Yes. That is, it's not defeating some big bad. Yes. It is about him realizing it doesn't matter that I'm here by accident. Yes. What matters is I'm here. Yes. And what can I do with that? Yes. And yes. it's him realizing that that is the end of this movie. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you guys really said it all, so yeah, we can move. Um, on. I do want to mention in this opening scene. Can you can you believe we got here from me mentioning Gwen? Uh, <laughs> in this opening scene where we first meet Gwen, the first sort of like fight here is in the Guggenheim. The Guggenheim. 
same. Which uh, is a, a fun little inside joke between the three of us and Wyatt, whom we forgot to mention is not here. You you may have picked up on that, but he is in Kentucky. We went to New York a few weeks ago, and we went to the Guggenheim, and Wyatt and I spoke in silly German voices <laughs> that were not accurate at all. Uh, we talked like that the whole weekend, and the it was a good time. The whole weekend, it was uh, so good. But it was fun to see a Leonardo da Vinci drawing-esque vulture destroy the Guggenheim since we were just there. That was a lot of fun. Um, I kept saying to Ian and Zach, I was like, I was just there. I was just there. Oh, 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 that's what it looks like. That's all. The street where we waited in line specifically to get into the Guggenheim had its own like depiction in mm-hmm. the movie. There's a scene that takes place on the same street where we were. It was very, very sick. I'm really glad that I got to have that experience. Uh, before watching the movie. yeah, I, Watching it get I, destroyed hits so much harder mm-hmm. <laughs> when yeah. we've been there. The yeah. Guggenheim has really iconic, I don't want to say sty- spiral staircase because that implies that like it goes straight up, but the building's perimeter internally mm-hmm. is a giant ramp that you walk through to get to all of the art exhibits. And so they did a lot of really cool cinematic fight sequences with that concept that's so very unique. And it was really cool to see. You didn't get to see that much like detail of what the actual like inside of the museum looks like. They really only show that uh, you know, spiral ramp. But most other people wouldn't care about that that much because most other people didn't just go to the movie behind <laughs> yeah. it. I was like I was like, Oh, I wanna see I wanna see all the exhibits that I yes. saw. And like they didn't get into all of that, but yeah. like whatever, I'm still happy. Yeah. yeah. Uh do we want to get into a category? Uh, did somebody pitch somebody the category? Somebody say yes. Yes! Thank you. Let's start with nitpicks. Why not? Uh, do either of you have any nitpicks from this movie? It's a great movie, but we can still pick some nits here. This was very thematically correct, and that I have to acknowledge that there was quite a bit of melodrama. Like I said... It's very thematically correct. These are 14 and 15-year-olds, and they were the ones being melodramatic. But I was like, I was, and that's just, that's, that might just be a Colleen thing. But like, <laughs> I was watching it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> um, that's my nitpick. Is, this is relevant. Is Gwen older than I him? I don't yeah. know. She's, oh, uh, she is? I, I think they talk about that in the first movie, that she's not like crazy older than him. You know, it's not it's not illegal that there, <laughs> yeah. there's like themes of romance between them, but she is. Uh, I I only ask because in one of these melodramatic scenes between Gwen and Miles, it's when she first sees his room. He's like, my college dorm is actually like way way nicer than this. Yeah, I was like, what? Is she older? Like, does he have to pretend to not be a fourteen year old boy in this moment? <laughs> um, he has a room in his private school. Mm. That is a high school. Okay, that he's referring to. Um, so no, she knows that he's still like a 15 year old. Okay. Boy. But th- his mom later is like, she looks like she could vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was one of my favorite lines. Uh, no, I think that's valid. It's also like, you, I mean, you're exactly right. It is true to theme. I, I've ranted before about like why the original, I'm not going to say trilogy because the third Spider-Man movie, the third Spider-Man Tobey Maguire movie is not very good, but no. those first two movies in a lot of ways are dramas with superhero elements yes. rather than it being a superhero movie with dramatic elements. Feel the same way. Um, and so this feels 
sort of true to that. Yes, I would say the same thing. It's like, it, it's all about the story. It might just be, every time I hear Haley Steinfeld speak, I'm like, shut up. <laughs> but that's that's a Colleen thing. <laughs> um, and it does not take away from the fact that she is a great voice actress. That her work with Gwen, crazy, crazy good. You seen um, Pitch Perfect 3? Yes, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Her being like, it's, it's a song I wrote. <laughs> I, I wrote it. I'm like, Rah! shut up. Shut up. <laughs> sing, a, sing a cover like sing a normal a acapella person. Thank you. I'm sorry. This is and so there's good. nothing annoying about two music theater nerds <laughs> sitting in front of me talking about singing. <laughs> so we're, we're all annoyed here for various reasons. <laughs> Fair. Here's a nitpick for you. How the fuck do they walk upside down and on walls when they have sneakers on? That doesn't make any goddamn sense. I think that their grippies go through the sole. Through the that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, especially through. I I think you're right, but it's stupid. Wait, pause. (laughs) They take their shoes off. They did. No, there there are multiple shots in this movie where they are walking on the side of a wall or upside down, like completely, where they're just wearing like converses. Um, their little heart to heart. On top of the Washington whatever. Which so, looks incredible, by the way. So One of my beautiful. favorite shots of the movie. Oh my goodness. This movie was incredible. <laughs> I hope we talk about art style soon. Um, but yeah, that, that scene with them on both of them wearing shoes. I was like, come on. <laughs> come on. And then at one, they're both sitting crisscross applesauce. Yes. Un- upside down and I'm like yes. are, are their asses sticky too like <laughs> this looks really cool but the whole time I was like how are they doing that are like well, it's supposed not... to just be the tips of their fingers and their toes do they not but okay obviously there's a lot of variation with the spire people so they can't have grippies that go through the clothes that latch them onto walls I mean I suppose yes but like in every instance we've seen it goes through their suits or just through their skin but I mean, shoes have like two inch thick rubber soles. I, I don't buy it. I, it's not a, that important. That's why it's just a nitpick. It didn't actually take away from my enjoyment here. Yes. You got a nitpick, Brett? <laughs> yeah, I'm pissed about this grippy conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my nitpick with the podcast. The nitpick of the movie is that, um, and this is just one of them. It's a quick one. But Miles, who's still like all the other spider people, or he's trying to hide his identity and then does like, there's a sequence of him getting to a certain place on time and doing Spider-Man things to get there without revealing his identity. There's one specific instance where he does a Spider-Man thing with his mask off right in front of a bunch of kids and nobody says anything. Mm. What does he do? He does a wall run. Oh, I like, saw that too. Like yeah. across three blocks of like school rooms. And, and there are without a bunch his of, mask on? Without his mask on. And there are a bunch of kids there and he just doesn't get a <laughs> Yeah. That happened a couple of times. There was also one time where like, He's like changing into Spider-Man as he's like running down the fire escape yes. and he lands and somebody like is recording him. And I'm like, am I supposed to believe this guy just didn't look up at any point Yes. and see him like changing as he was running down? Like, did he just pull out his camera and start recording as he landed fully dressed on the ground? Like, Get that doesn't make any sense. Get out of here. Uh, here's a small thing. I could just be misremembering this, but... There's a, a scene with the spot. Is that his name? Is it the spot or just spot? The spot. There's a scene with the spot where they're talking about how the spot is just a villain of the week mm-hmm. and they sort of underestimate him. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get bested by the spot. And then Miles says, or rather the spot says, here, see, I'm I'm not just a villain of the week. And then Miles says, I'm sorry I called you that. But if 
my memory serves me correctly, I'm pretty sure Miles never said that. It was Gwen that called him the villain of the week. He did say it. Okay, I had did Because I said the same thing when okay. I first watched it. I was like, oh my goodness. that's No, he did say it. He said it right after he... Uh, Right after he like got out of the bodega. Okay. Yeah, he was like, "It's just some villain of the week," and he was like, "What did you call me?" Okay. That's nitpick redacted. Also, this is a little bit more of a fun fact, so we're merging categories here. But how dare you? I did a little bit of reading on the character after we got home because I was just mm-hmm. I don't know I'd never about heard him. of this character before. Most people haven't, mm-hmm. uh, because he's not very prominent in the series. But whenever he is in the comics, the Villain of the week theme in verbatim is something that is oh, said a lot, and that is a common, not initiative motive for his wow. character. To he wants to prove himself. But he's super. He's super disrespected in the comics as well, wow. despite being like a really powerful villain. That's crazy. Yeah. I, to your point, I I remember this vividly. In second grade, had a illustrated picture. Spider-Man book that was just all of the Spider-Man villains with like cool illustrations and it gave like all of their background and I don't remember the spot. Wow. This is my first introduction to him. So he's pretty cool. He is very cool. Um, And I also love his transition as a character in this movie both in terms of his character mm-hmm. and who he is but also in terms of how the art style matches him. Mm-hmm. He starts off like so goofy yes. and funny like he's robbing a bank or robbing a, a just convenience store and it's clear he's never done this before. <laughs> the scene is really comedic and frankly his his character design just looks pretty goofy. Like he just looks like a guy wearing a white morph suit with black spots on it. You don't expect that he's going to be a big bad at the no. series or that movie. Uh, yeah, because- absolutely. Wouldn't make sense. But by the end, like, he slowly devolves into this, like, truly terrifying being. And by the end of the movie, like, when he reaches sort of his his peak and the peak villain that we'll be facing in the next movie, he's, like, actually terrifying. Like, he looks like a creepypasta. He looks like, he looks like a Slenderman, mm-hmm. you know, but, like, cursed. And I didn't think that was possible yeah. for Slenderman to be cursed. Um, and like the chaos of it, the chaos of the design of him was really, really unsettling. Uh, that's all. And it works well with, like, it doesn't just look cooler, but it also like matches what is happening to his character mm-hmm. in that in the intro scenes, he is mostly white and has these black spots and these black spots are the portals that can travel dimensions. And so he's throwing these black spots around, but by the end he's become far more powerful and has basically complete control over interdimensional travel. And now he's basically all black with just some white shining through. And it shows like just how powerful he is. Like he basically is interdimensional now. Again, to reference my slight reading that I did uh, about 10 minutes ago, (laughs) um, apparently he, he was described as a character as having the quote unquote ability to destroy entire dimensions Mm. at the snap of a finger incredibly powerful yeah and i've been thinking that a lot i i even like halfway through this movie before he reached his peak power yes like even in in the opening scene where miles is fighting him it's clear this character is not adept or well equipped to fight another super person but i mean miles at this point has taken down a lot of people and this power that the spot has is just so much (laughs) that miles is really struggling and i mean the point that this movie ends on and the level of power that he is at, I genuinely just have no idea 
how they're going to be able to to defeat him. I feel the same way, which is why when it ended without <laughs> with a to be continued, I <laughs> screamed. I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> I was glad that that happened because I didn't think that that plot line was going to get wrapped anytime soon, and I had a piece so bad. <laughs> I, I mean, I I almost did one of the the kid running down the Just aisle sprint. Yeah, I felt like I was gonna get to that point soon. I but I couldn't peel myself. Ended away. just inside in time. Brett loves Brett loves when his bladder is full and we are somewhere and we are done with something. He goes, "I gotta piss something terrible." <laughs> he says it every single time. He's so country. I've got one more nitpick. Yes, uh, that I please. think transitions well into what Colleen mentioned. They Wait, wanted to talk it, about is pissing. It a, is it a yeah. wrap up nitpick? Because I have one more. Go ahead. There are multiple times when, like, obviously, and this is common with Spider-Man or, like, most superheroes, that concealing your identity is involved, especially from close people. Mm -hmm. There are multiple instances where the Spider-People are speaking with their parents who are involved in whatever escapade is happening, use essentially the exact same same voice, voice, clearly have literally identical builds. Yes. Yes. Do their, their child counterparts <laughs> and the adults who are capable people are like, oh, I wonder who Spider Man is. Yeah, every single time um, Miles was talking to his dad when he was Sp- Spider Man, I was like, he knows, but he doesn't, and that is also I I feel the same way. I would imagine if even like a moderately close friend of mine mm-hmm. were Spider Man <laughs> and I were talking to them, I would probably be able to figure out who it was by their voice. I think for our parents in the audience, this will be an especially big nitpick because there is no way you don't recognize your own child's voice just because they're in a mask or even if, which they do a couple of times, if they're, they're, they're talking a little bit more husky. Yes. Like there's no way that that parent is not going to recognize their voice. That's a great nitpick. Yeah. Great job, Brett. Uh, a good transition into the art style conversation that you want to have, Colleen. My last nitpick. There were a, a few times at least five or six where a lot of things were just like out of focus. Mm. And most of the time it felt intentional in that like these characters that are at the foreground and it's almost emulating like a camera shot where you're putting these characters that are at the front of the frame in focus and the mm-hmm. background is out of focus. But there were a few times where <laughs> something like in frame, like at the front of the frame was just out of focus. And it it, it didn't feel like they had just not finished drawing it in. It it felt like they were making an intentional decision to make that out of focus, but mm-hmm. there were some times where it just kind of took me out of it. I was like, why why can't I see everything on screen right now? Yeah. If I was like, are my glasses foggy? Like, what's going on? Man, I got to look out for that the next time I watch it tomorrow. Um, tomorrow? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look out for that. I think that's mm-hmm. a good, that's going to be a good nitpick when I see it also. <laughs> I would imagine a lot of people won't notice it, but I noticed it once and then I was like, oh, why, why does this keep happening? <laughs> I didn't no- notice the blurriness, but along the same lines, I noticed while the fight scenes, which would be a lot harder to produce, were crazy smooth and like clearly had a lot of time and effort put into them. Some of the more relaxed scenes, like conversations, had a little bit of like frame drop in mm. them that they... There's a, an inherent like kind of choppy quality to the animation style as it is but like more than you're used to seeing the movies i was surprised to see that it almost felt like the newest avatar that there is mm-hmm. a little bit of frame issues mm-hmm. uh, with just like generating these images or in this case not having 
I guess as many frames as as you would have to like completely make a, a like a fluid cinematic experience. Um, that were like a little bit off putting to me. That in the end of the day didn't matter that much, but was surprisingly noticeable. Mm-hmm. I actually remember when we had the the high frame rate discussion when the new Avatar movie came out. I remember saying I didn't notice it at all in that movie, and I think it might have been you, but. Or maybe it was just a podcast that I was listening to. Somebody mentioned the original Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse movie because it did the same thing that this movie does where mm-hmm. it, it changes frame rates throughout the movie. And I remember I did notice it in that and I did notice it in this, but it feels much more intentional and stylized than it did in the new Avatar movie. Mm-hmm. So I didn't mind it. But I, like with the new Avatar movie, like I can see that bothering some people. But mm-hmm. this movie looks incredible. And Colleen... Do you have any like specific things you want to talk about so here? Many, so many, so Let's many. do it. Oh my god, the art style is so consistent. It's so consistent for all. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they included so many different art styles in one movie. It's there consistent were... in terms of quality, you mean? Yeah, in quality, no, but in terms of the worlds that they're showing you, so consistent. Gwen's world being made of watercolors the mm, whole time, yeah. crazy. Um, the they did a lot with um each character had its subtle differences and that was absolutely batshit to me (laughs) Gwen I always thought like I don't know if this is because uh I always thought that Miles and Gwen like came like like came from like like that's all what their universe no there are a lot of differences um the um Gwen had a bluish pink light on her the entire time Mm -hmm. they did a lot with lighting in terms of uh, establishing the consistency of the art style of the characters throughout the movie so Miles had more of like the soft like yellowish glow on him Gwen had like blue and pink light on her all the time um the pregnant woman she had that kind of like yellowish like cartoonish on her the whole time Miguel had like the the dark shadows it was incredible and as soon as we saw these worlds each time it was like it was like we got to see the like the the like you get to see them put into their world and, and they like feel so at home yes yes yeah. they they take their world with them and the fact that they were able to be that consistent with it was crazy it was nuts that's that's my main point excellent I, god Loved it. There is a lot of variation, like Colleen was saying, between uh, different dimensions. Um, but even just within the same scenes, like there are a couple of scenes that we see uh, the color grades being played with dramatically. Yes. And the shading and the lights being played with dramatically. Where in, you know, 20 seconds we'll have like three or four different cuts between characters yes. in the middle of a conversation. And they will be different colors each time. And that sounds wrong or unenjoyable. But one thing that is very clear in this movie, and I said it earlier that the artists were allowed to really run with this, is Mm -hmm. that their artistic expression is coming through Mm -hmm. in what they're doing. I think one thing that um, Marvel movies in particular are lacking drastically is subtext Mm -hmm. and the artists were contributing to the story through the subtext of the way that they were creating their art and they were allowed to just do that particularly i i noticed it immediately i mean it's all the way through but i noticed it immediately in the guggenheim scene with vulture they were incredibly experimental with how they were how they were showing him on screen where he had 
a drastically different art style than everybody else to indicate that he was from a different dimension. And that was just like the first taste of what would come in the rest of the movie. But one thing that the Spider-Verse series is doing that is not a part of other superhero movies or even just movies in general in the like mainstream is that they're taking chances Mm -hmm. and they're being different and they are experimenting and, and being so uh, interesting just even visually art artistically. And like, again, what I said subtextually is so interesting to me. And it, it, it makes me keep like, I want to go back and I want to watch it more over and over again. Yes. And it's one of the reasons that I like, I I'm already thinking about, anticipating the next movie yes and you don't you don't need to think about that cognitively yes to feel it oh my god like a five-year-old kid is going to see like you said vulture in that scene and know inherently Mm -hmm. this guy is from somewhere else he doesn't need characters to explain that Mm -hmm. to this child that child can just feel it and this happens throughout the entire story. It's really cool. And the artists use it subtextually with development of characters, and it aids the writing as well. Mm-hmm. In that same scene, I already cited the scene where Gwen reveals to her dad that mm-hmm. she is Spider-Woman. That scene does something really cool where these characters are... This is also a good segue into favorite scenes because I have this as my favorite scene actually. Mm. Um where when Gwen reveals this, each of these characters, Gwen and her dad, have very strong motivations and then very strong beliefs. And in this scene, those are at odds. Like the dad, it's been his goal for so long to capture Spider Woman. But he also, on the side, loves his daughter so much. And when those things come to a head, it creates this rift in mm-hmm. both their own minds and in their relationship. And the writing is already doing a great job of getting that across. But this movie just hammers that home. And even the art style supports that, yes. where the lighting on each of these characters gets darker and darker as it goes. There's literally a, a divide between the two of them that the artists drew where they're being shaded differently, they're being drawn differently, and it changes. Like, it gets darker, the lighting gets harsher, and by the end of this scene, you almost just see the dad's, like, side profile because of how the artists are showing. Like, he's torn in this moment, and there's a rift now put up between the two of them. And I I love that scene a lot. I I don't know if you guys feel similarly, but... Gwen's, um... Gwen's, well, every time she and her dad are having a conversation without resolve, the watercolor behind them is fading. Mm-hmm. The watercolor yes, behind them I is saw, running. Yes, I noticed that again oh in that God. last yes. scene between yes. the two of them. Oh the God. walls were literally, yes. like, dripping. And that, like, that like supports your, your conversation of subtext because it's like, y- I feel like this movie does such a good job of showing and not telling. And uh, exa- Damn, I was literally about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Now Brett's gonna... I'm gonna pout. <laughs> Um, so it's like, it does such a good job of showing it, not telling. And like Gwen is represented through that bright pink because it's like, she has something like, it's like, that's, that's like, that's her color, but it's also just like, it's, um, it's alert without being cautious. That's how I interpret Mm -hmm. pink. Um, but like, and you see like 
um, yeah, yeah, just that. Just it was it was really incredible. I loved it. Do you guys have favorite scenes? I think my favorite scene was right after we get reintroduced to the um, Peter Parker Spider Man from the first movie, mm -hmm. uh, who has a baby now. It was just so adorable. We get Spider Baby. Spider Baby. We get to see uh, Miguel in a lot more of an unmasked way. Literally, he has yes. his mask off, and we get to understand his motivations and just the kind of Spider-Man that he is in uh, in some exposition where they are explaining the importance of the Spider-Man canon and why it is important that in this universe things go the way that they're supposed to. It's literally their whole purpose is to keep canon intact. And they really beautifully show and explain all of these what could be considered like complicated uh, ideas that are explained in a really palatable way. Which scene specifically are you talking about? I'm it, sorry. It's where they have just, they've all come together. All this, it's right before the chase scene starts. Mm -hmm. All these Spider-Men are kind of having like in Miles's word, like an intervention for oh, him. Oh yes. Yes. That and seems really cool. You're seeing kind of in like a automated not CGI, but like the 2D animation version the of hologram. CGI. They're, yeah, mm -hmm. holograms are showing, um, they're portraying this canon that needs to be protected. And uh, they even cut in some some real life shots, mm -hmm. including um, you see Tobey Maguire at some point. And that was cool. I, I thought it was all expertly told and mm -hmm. just beautifully shown. And I like seeing it. I, I love that scene as well because I, another key element to interdimensional storytelling that I think is absolutely essential is while you're showing these infinite possibilities, I think I may have talked about this with um, everything everywhere all at once, mm. but there has to be with each individual character, a thing that is true to every single mm. instance of that character. Mm -hmm. And I, I haven't seen it fleshed out in this way before. Um, and, and it's fun that they're using sort of like a, a comic book, term in calling something canonical mm -hmm. um but these things that are true no matter what to every spider person is their canon mm -hmm. these are instances in no matter what universe they they're a part of every spider person is going to have these certain things that are true to them and i really liked how they explained that i really liked uh in that scene i really liked that they were um they were appealing to miles i wasn't expecting that given the rest of the context of the movie it really really um shone a light that made Miguel not look like the hero that's also a villain. Um, and that later gets kind of broken down or like pushed to its limit. I would say it's pushed to its limit later on, but I really, really liked seeing that side of like, of like seeing Miguel trying to do his job in a way that is most conducive for um, everybody's health, yeah. you know, everybody's survival. Um, yeah. yeah, I really Miguel like is a really, really complicated character. And, one of my overarching thoughts about this whole movie is every single character feels like a real yes. person God. with their own struggles, their own motivations. And you can feel that in the way that every single one of these characters interacts throughout the movie. But Miguel is such a unique instance because it, it really feels like he is the embodiment of with great power comes great responsibility, yeah. which is the cliche Spider-Man thing. Mm -hmm. But which I don't think purely, said yet. In the yeah. Series. That's damn. true. Damn. Purely by nature of where he is and where he ended up, 
he is now in charge of every Spider-Man across every dimension, which is a huge job. And he has all of the same trauma yeah. that every single other Spider-Man faces. And it doesn't seem like he volunteered to God. be in this leadership position. Mm-hmm. But that is just the role that was given to him. And he it really truly seems like he is flawed, but he is doing his best mm-hmm. and just trying to do his job in the best way that he can. And so while that is often in conflict with Miles and with the few spider people that are working in hand with Miles, mm-hmm. and the two like those two factions are often at odds, mm-hmm. it is still true to his motivation and it feels just natural like this character truly would behave in this way not because he's bad not Mm -hmm. because he's an evil or mean person but just because he's like i think genuinely any real person would do in any scenario Mm -hmm. he's just trying to do the best that he can with the lot that he has been given and miles is doing the same thing and you can see that like especially with miguel but with every single character in this movie yeah I could not agree more. I really love that. Miguel is just like me when I'm tasked with being in charge of all the computers in my <laughs> IT department. He's, you're just like Miguel. It's and crazy. I, I brood all day. Pretty sure Oscar Isaac is a Scorpio. I love that guy. He, he rocks. I, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Colleen, do you have a favorite scene? Um, I am caught between the Indian universe. I forget mm-hmm. what it's called. God, I love that scene. Um, It's really cool. Um, Just because... <laughs> They address all the cliches in such a, like, a seamless way, but they also... Like what? Oh, like um, chai tea. Mm, He's like, what did you just say? (laughs) Chai literally means tea, bro. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Um, But I call it chai tea, so I'm I'm really guilty of that. Yeah, non-bread. I was saying this at the top of the podcast. Um, Non means bread. (laughs) So... Yeah, and then at one point the spot was like the spot was like yeah I feel like I'm really finding my groove and um, Indian Spider Man Pav was like was like don't eat pray love me please <laughs> do not do that to this universe um, I thought that was really funny but also sorry I I feel like um, establishing the tropes was I those were all the comedic effects they did a really beautiful that was the first world we see mm-hmm. past Gwen's um past um, we don't even we see Gwen's through her eyes but like we don't go there that's the first universe we go to and it was such a good I'm stealing Brett's word exposition of like what we're in for he of, made like, that word he invented it believe it or not he invented toaster strudel sorry that's a mean girl's reference okay <laughs> <laughs> but so um it's like it's such a perfect transition into what we're going to experience in terms of art in terms of story in terms of like like uh style in terms of and it's like i don't know i really really loved it yeah. i don't know how to de- how to describe it further and the train scene yeah which i already talked yes. about earlier the, the train scene was my honorable mention yeah that's it's i mean that whole climax is like it's long yes and it's very intense yes i'm on the edge of my seat the whole time but at the same time like it's not just visually and it's it's not just visually entertaining. It's not just cool to look at. There aren't just fun fight scenes happening. Like there's also so much character development mm-hmm. going on. And I especially love the part where Miguel is just like driving home how much he resents Miles. Yeah. For, because that, that load that I was talking about that is now on Miguel's shoulders mm-hmm. that he is now tasked with bearing that great power 
or rather that great responsibility that he has, he resents Miles because it is Miles' fault that that is on his shoulders. Yeah. And the the give and take between those two characters is very intense. And we're learning a lot about both of them in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it also is just very entertaining. Like it's it's cool to watch. Yeah. It's very cool to watch. Great choice. Great choice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you too. <laughs> Brett's was okay. Uh, we, we mentioned Oscar Isaac moments ago. That's a good segue into Bryce's fun fact corner. Yay. Uh, I've got a great Oscar Isaac fun fact and it is that, uh, Oscar Isaac has now played three different characters in the MCU. What? Everyone knows him because he was just in Moon Knight. He was just Moon Knight in the TV show that the MCU did. He's obviously in this movie as Spider-Man 2099. And he was also Apocalypse in the X-Men movies. Oh my God. Did not know that. Yeah, in I guess not X-Men movies, but in X-Men Apocalypse, he is Mr. Apocalypse. What a fun fact. Uh, so that's fun. He's great. Uh, I, I'd like to think in, in some world, all three Oscar Isaacs are going to have to fight each other. Yes. That'd, be, that'd be ridiculous and fun. Um, I want to amend my statement. I believe he is not a Scorpio. I believe he is a Pisces. Give me one wow. second. <laughs> wow. Zodiac. Hang on. This is huge. He's a Pisces. There, there you go. Water sign, still. Intense water sign. That's Breaking news. <laughs> Brett's a Scorpio, and uh, Bryce is a Libra. Wyatt is a Taurus, for everybody who would like to know. Now the fans know. Now they know. Now this you're is, outed. This is good. <laughs> um, a, another. This is like one of the craziest things I've ever heard. This research I did on the internet is pretty, pretty quick. Uh, but apparently, production was completed on this movie May 20th, 2023. And what is today's date, Brett? June 4th. Yeah, so that's like two weeks ago Yeah, that the production on this movie was completed. And the movie came out two days ago. Do we know what production in particular was still needing to be worked on? Uh, No, but I mean, production does not include any like marketing or anything. So, I mean, that would just be like putting the final touches on either animation things or on the edit. I mean, there's no way that they're even still doing animation at that point because that's all production. Man. It makes me wonder, like, the last, the Spider-Verse came out in 2018, right? Mm -hmm. The first one? That was, sorry, five years ago, right? Yeah. The sequel to this is supposed to come out next March. So I feel like if it took them, I don't want to say if it took them this long, because I don't want to, you know, um, put a timestamp on their their labor, but, like, this movie was so good. Um, My understanding about what you're saying is that essentially both movies Okay, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And they're still finishing the post-production on this film, yes. but the reason why it's broken into two in the first place is because they had all the story that's already been made. Yep. They just could not, like, they realized at some point they could not fit it into one part. It Thank also, expressing that, it yeah. hit a uh, a big delay, what with COVID. Oh, true, um, okay. They started <laughs> production on this second movie pretty soon after the first movie came out, mm-hmm. Um and then COVID happened. So. Okay. All right. Uh, another production-related fun fact that I think is pretty cool. This is the largest crew to ever work on an animated film. It's not surprising. I was thinking about the fleets of people it would take yeah. to make a movie like this frame by frame. Yeah. Feels like an insurmountable yeah. task. A few yep. hundred animators, which is like wild. And over a thousand people worked on this movie, which for an animated movie is just wild. I hope they got paid enough. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I mean, certainly they should when this movie's going to make $5 billion or whatever. Girl. Yeah, I, I I don't know much about how 
well, animators are paid, but I know there's been a lot of conversation recently about the people doing CGI, especially for the the big budget Marvel, or rather, I guess just DC or Disney movies. They mm-hmm. are not getting paid well enough because they're being contracted. Like if you look at the animation animation studios mm-hmm. on like a Marvel movie, almost none of them are paid by Disney, is the umbrella company. Like they are all in individual independent companies that Marvel. Or contracts. contracts. Yeah. But yeah, that concludes Bryce's Fun Fact Corner. Yay. We're already, we've been talking for a while. We're on an hour and a half already. Uh, so let's get into quick shout outs. This is a fun little category that we've got now. Let's just, let's just get right into it. These are quick shout outs from the movie that will make no sense if you haven't seen the movie. Quick shout out, diversity. Real. <laughs> that will make sense if you haven't seen this movie. You're so brave for saying that. <laughs> and I personally salute you. <laughs> movie was so diverse. It was uh, so great, and they represented it so well. Yeah. Qu- quick shout out, Spider Horse. <laughs> Spider Horse was awesome, and Spider Cat. Spider Cat, Cage. Uh, quick shout out, talking about your holes. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from this movie. What? I have to have more. You can only have one. Only have one. <laughs> quick shout out pregnant woman doing things they shouldn't. <laughs> Yo, I literally have quick shout out doing battle as a pregnant woman. <laughs> <laughs> quick shout out bringing babies in general on board. Yes. <laughs> and that was my next one because it's there's another character who's uh, inappropriate, <laughs> inappropriately bringing a child along into a battle sequence. Quick uh, shout out bad parenting. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, there's a lot of good parenting too. Yeah, there is a lot of good parenting here. Uh, quick shout out TT and bread bread. I don't remember that. Uh, chai tea. Tea tea and bread bread. Yeah, 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 yeah. Non bread is bread bread. The computer, like the dial up noise that just happened in my head. (laughs) Shout out men of your generation caring about their mental health. Yes, or not neglecting it for too long. That was such a good shout out. In the movie. That's all I got. Quick shout out. She looks old enough to vote. We talked about that. Uh, Quick shout out. The Sex Pistols, which is basically a character in this movie. Yeah, we we haven't talked about him at all. He was probably my favorite character in this movie. Was yeah. uh, what's his name? <gasps> Quick shout out, Hobie! Oh my Hobie. god, I can't believe he rocks. Oh my god, he's so he's cool. Just, he's just fighting the the powers that be. Another really consistent character. God. Oh, one more, one more quick shout out. Uh, quick shout out, hot Latina mothers. Been saying this. They're uh, maybe the most powerful women in the world. I don't really see them as being beautiful. Except, um, Excuse me? I, I see. Well, no, I just, uh, what I'm saying is that I don't look at them through that lens. I see their influence in the world. Mm, as there's only one did. who has my eye. Oh, that's me. <laughs> Why Gross. was I shocked by that? <laughs> yeah, good. You guys have any anything else specific that you want to talk about before we get into our closing thoughts? I love Toby. I for I dang I forgot to talk He's about. He's so Toby. funny. He was so funny, and he was like, "Oh my god, wait, can I can I share some yeah, small things that absolutely. I realized on the for- he made a watch. Do you remember when he was talking to Miles mm-hmm. and he was like, he was like, make your own watch, yep. and he was like, I can't do that, and all the points like we think he's stealing things comedically. He's not. Yeah. He knows what he's stealing. Yep. And the thing that he sends to Gwen, he made that because he dropped his watch on the ground when he left. He made an internet dimensional watch. I realized that's why the 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 portal looked like him. Yeah. I oh my god, such a good detail. Yep. Um. Uh. There were a bunch of other oh. 
the points, I, I feel like it really drove home. There were a lot of points driven home when uh, Miles's mom gives him the speech about like, don't let anybody tell you that you don't belong. Um, I feel like I feel like that was represented so well throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I love that. Sorry, that feels like an obvious thing to say. <laughs> um, no, it's not. Third thing, along with the consistency of the art style, Miles, uh, the world with no Spider-Man, Earth-62, mm-hmm. even though, like, uh, the sequence where we don't know that those are two different worlds yet, or we don't know that he's um, he's in a different, not not his dimension, the differences were so subtle, but so clear before we knew that was happening. I noticed one really cool detail. His mother... Green has eyes. green eyes, whereas she had brown eyes before. I know. Uh, I that know. was like the first clue that yes. I noticed that I was like, is, is he in the right place? We all laughed when she was like, who's Spider-Man? And a detail that I remembered from the beginning of the movie is that she says, I hear he's Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. She, and so she knows who he is. She knows who he is. Yeah. So when we were in the movie, I was assuming it was like, oh, she doesn't watch TV. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, of course she wouldn't know. She's not up with the culture, but it wasn't. She, that was like, that should, that was like, and that, that scene is written so well yes. that it truly does feel like just the classic, oh, my mom's a little bit out of touch with like yes. pop culture and like what's going on. Yes. Like she's got her own problems. She's oh a mother. God. She's doing her own thing. But in reality, it's much bigger than that. That whole scene too, where she's just like, I got you to take care of. I got you. I, I got you to take care of. I got me to take care of. It's like, and he's like, man, I wish dad were here. And she was like, Miles. Because he's dead. Yeah. You know, that like that hit so much harder. I was like, oh yeah. my God, of course she would say that in response <laughs> to that. You yep. know? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So good. That seems very well written. Yeah. So many little details. I just want to say that I'm very happy about the fact that 2D animation is like king right now. Mm-hmm. And it I I don't feel like there's any real argument to combat that after, you know, what we've been seeing in the last couple of years. 2D animation, mm-hmm. and I'm really hopeful that that trend is going to continue after CG has just been beaten to death, yes. and as a consequence, has regressed mm-hmm. in uh, a lot of our media. Um, but it's clear that 2D is is amazing, and it uh, has a place in mm-hmm. film right now, and it it deserves to be there. One thing that both of these movies, um, the last one and this one, have done with 2D animation is is used it to its fullest potential yes. as a utility towards yeah. visual storytelling. Yes. The reason why you make something in 2D animation is because you are not bound by any, really any rules mm-hmm. in any way. Yes. Except being 3D. Yeah. <laughs> like In the end, it doesn't matter that you can't be 3D. All that matters is you that can you can give just as much, if not more, character. Yeah. Exactly. So, I feel like about this. I feel like 3D animation really peaked with Moana, a mm-hmm. movie that I don't really love that much, actually, uh, which might be a hot take. I don't think it was that great, but mm-hmm. it looks incredible. Yeah. And I can't remember being as wowed by 3D animation since then. All of the animated movies that have impressed me since then have been more stylized at, like, like this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I do want, before we give our closing thoughts, I want to really quickly talk about the ending because I would imagine a lot of people will be upset by that, just that it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. I know <laughs> there was even uh, 
one person in our theater that yelled, what the fuck, when the movie ended. <laughs> I yelled that uh, <laughs> <person>. <laughs> um, It is frustrating. I'm certainly frustrated because I was really invested in this story and I want to see where it goes. But cinematically, like just from a general movie perspective, I actually feel like they did a really good job leaving this movie on a cliffhanger. Yes. Um, a poor example of a movie that does this that I saw recently was Dune, which was a movie that I loved a lot. But Dune, it, that ending really felt like it kind of just ended in the middle yes. of the story. And they're like, you'll see the rest later. Yes. Which was very frustrating. This felt, I think, the, the best example of a movie that sort of ends in the middle, but does it right is The Fellowship of the Ring. Mm. Um, I, I cite Lord of the Rings a lot, but Damn. those movies are excellent. The way that both this movie and that movie, they have a big climactic ending. Mm-hmm. Both of those movies have like a big fight scene or a big, big action-packed scene near the end. But ultimately, the arc of the specific characters, in this case, Miles, mm-hmm. comes to an end. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I, I mentioned this earlier, but this movie is not at all about Miles defeating some big bad or Miles and his team defeating some big bad. It's about Miles versus his life versus the struggles that he's experiencing as a person and how that relates to the people around him and the other people that have the same shared experience as him. And we actually get that conclusion. And so hopefully in the next movie, we'll, we'll get a continuation of that, Mm -hmm. but that will be more about him like defeating something that is outside of himself. So yeah, I, I, I really liked how this story came to an end. Zach kept saying before we saw it, um, Zach kept saying that people were saying, sorry, People are saying that it's our generation's version of The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I was like, yeah, all right, that's a big <laughs> title. I was like, get out of here. Um, but And then it left on that cliffhanger, and I was like, damn, I kind of agree with that. I kind of agree with the concept of like this like generational story that we have that we have to like lie in anticipation of because I imagine that's how people felt with Star Wars, you know, and it feels really great to be part of that, be, to be like in this generation, to be experiencing it for the first time. I, I really, really value that. I also, that was my first thought when walking out of the theater. I'm like, dang, I haven't seen a movie with a cliffhanger in a really long time. <laughs> and I forgot about Dune. I've read Dune, so I already know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> It's really hard to read Dune. Oh, there's like four more books too. So hmm, bigger <laughs> flex. Anyway, sorry. So I've read Dune. And so that, that I was like, yeah, I know what's going to happen. I'm not really, I don't care that much. Mm-hmm. But they should have made me care more. Yep. They should have made me care more. So this was a wonderful cliffhanger. Um. If you know, on the subject of cliffhangers, yeah, it's just, it, it doesn't feel unresolved. No, um, God, like I, I really think that what sort of hammered the the nail in for me was when he tells his fake mom at the end there, like I did it, mom, like I I, I beat them, yeah, and like he's talking about beating all the other Spider Men, but there's so much more to that <laughs> because like when yes. the when the team shows up at the end, like. He has defeated all of his own insecurities and he has found his own like surrogate family in all of these other spider people that relate and connect with him, Mm -hmm. that care about him in a way and understand him in a way that Mm -hmm. his like biological family never can. 
Um, so like he 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 finds that resolution in them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was the ending of the movie. I really like it. Uh, let's let's do our, our final thoughts here. Um, final thoughts. This movie was incredible. I loved talking about it with you guys. Um, so I appreciate you inviting me on this podcast in general. Happy to have you. Uh, thank you. Um, sorry. Uh, so I really thought the themes were incredibly presented. I thought I thought the consistency was outstanding and and really commendable. Would watch again. I really really I loved it. I loved it. Cool. Uh, this movie rocks. Spider Man rocks. Pay your writers because they make you a lot of money. And we wouldn't have amazing movies without the people who make the movies. Uh, you know, the guy sitting at top at the top can't do all this by himself. Everybody should go see mm-hmm. um, both Spider Verse movies. It, this is going to be like a generational movie. Like Colleen said, I fully agree with that. Uh, it's fantastic, and I am very happy that I I get the privilege of going to go see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly like the two of them said, this movie is incredible. I loved it. I have not had a movie take me back to my childhood mm-hmm. as much as this one did. The art style already feels so juvenile, not in a bad way, but in like a nostalgic, I used to read comic books as a kid, and this movie feels like I'm inside of that. But also like Spider-Man is all about moral dilemmas. Like, mm-hmm. do I... What do I do with the the weight of this responsibility that I've been given? Do I reveal who I am to the people around me because that's the easy thing to do, but it will have all of these consequences? It felt very true to the Spider-Man character that I've been so attached to since I was four years old. Mm -hmm. And so both in terms of the art style and just it it felt so true to Spider-Man, I was just enraptured by this movie. Like, I really felt like I was a kid again watching Mm -hmm. a movie. Like, the awe that I felt felt like the first time I saw a Spider-Man movie as a kid. So if if you feel like it could do the same thing to you, highly recommend checking it out. Even if you don't have much relationship to this character, this movie is just so well-made from a filmmaking perspective that... It's absolutely worth checking out. If if you have any hesitations about seeing just another superhero movie, this does not feel like that at all. This mm. feels like a fun animated movie that has a great heartbeat to it. All of the characters feel f- fleshed out. There's so much relate to relate to here, and the the action set pieces are just a fun little cherry on top. Uh, this movie rocks. And uh, that concludes our conversation about Spider Man. Across the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse? Uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse is the first one. Across, Across the, the Spider-Verse. Verse second is the, one. Yeah. Beyond the Spider-Verse. Is the third one. March 2024. Very exciting. Did you look that up? One year ago. Yes. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. One uh, year from now. I don't know why I said one year ago. It will be one year ago in two years. It's going to be... Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. I'm looking at the audience now. Uh, if you're just listening, feel free to check us out on YouTube. We have videos over there where you get to see our pretty faces. They are unedited. At least uh, (laughs) the audio is relatively unedited. Thank you very much for listening. If you've gotten up to this point, we really appreciate it. Follow us at Last of the Moon Pod on Instagram, uh, where you can keep up to date with our pretty little lives. I will be sharing photos such as 
five-year-old Bryce in a Spider-Man costume. And maybe I might even Photoshop a fun little vulture into our photos from the Guggenheim from a few months ago. Yay! Very few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram to see that and to be up to date with every time we post a new episode. We would last of the moon for you. We hope you would do the same for us. We love you. Good night. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.